listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 10th of November, 2023. On Market Day, we'll speak with Jessica Amir from Moomoo for the latest on the share market. But first, to the Reserve Bank, which has updated its economic forecasts in its quarterly statement on monetary policy, the main one being an upgrade to its inflation outlook. It says CPI will now not reach the top of its 2 to 3% target band until the end of 2025, before it was mid-2025. So for his take on the economic environment, I spoke with George Theranu, the Chief Economist at UBS. George, first of all, how would you describe the resilience of the Australian economy, especially when compared to others around the world? The Australian economy in 2023 has been more resilient than most people would have expected, including the RBA, I think in the past, when we've seen the RBA raise the cash rate as quickly as this, there was an expectation the economy would slow quite quickly. However, there is always a lag, and typically it's between a year and two years. So I think the likelihood is that the economy outlook is slower, but the starting point is better. Momentum in the first half of this year was okay, and the labour market just hasn't cracked. But given there's a lot of fixed rate mortgages still to expire, and the RBA just raised rates again at its November meeting, the probability is that growth rates will probably slow in real terms to about 1.5% over the coming year. Can we break down some of the reasons why it's been doing so well? Is it fair to say that migration is probably one of the top ones? And if so, isn't that migration, that, that record migration, masking some of the weakness in the economy? Yeah, that's right. Historically, population growth in Australia has been about 1.5%. But at the moment, we estimate it's growing much more fastly, about 2.5%. So what that means is it's a very strong underpinning for the economy and helping the labour market remain resilient with lots of jobs as people enter the economy. But the issue is, if you think about the growth rate in per capita terms, so adjusted for the number of people growing, it's actually being in recession. And so you've got really mixed trends across the consumer. Some households are doing okay, and they've been benefiting from higher interest rates because their income received is going up if they've got lots of cash saved up. But then you've got a whole cohort of households who are facing very large increases in repayments on their mortgages because they've got lots of debt and they probably didn't expect rates to rise as quickly as they have. Uh, The RBA released its quarterly statement on monetary policy today. I think one of the key forecasts that we're keeping an eye on is that of inflation. It says that inflation is not Mm. expected to reach the very top of its target band now until the end of 2025. So it's saying that inflation is likely to stay higher for a bit longer. Um, What do you think? Is there a a threat that inflation could become an even bigger problem than what the RBA thinks? Yeah, the RBA has really shifted their view over the last year about how long it will take inflation to fall back down towards their 2 to 3% target ban. It's a very difficult balancing act for them because the likelihood is, given the momentum in the labour market, it's going to take a significant amount of time before we see the unemployment rate pick up enough to bring inflation down back to that target ban. The starting point for inflation is probably higher than they would have liked as well. And so when they're looking at their outlook, it's not until 2025, as you say, that inflation gets back to the top of the ban. Now, the RBA has shown a degree of patience. They've been willing to wait and see if inflation will come down. The fact that it didn't as much as they would have liked caused them to raise rates again already. But I think at the moment is for them to continue to raise rates from here, it's a very risky proposition from their perspective. And I think they're more likely to only respond 
if inflation surprises to the upside yet again. I think the risks are a bit more balanced now because it will take some time for the prior impact of these rate rises to slow the economy. So I'd expect inflation does track down towards their target of 3%, but if it doesn't, then rate rises are still on the agenda. Let's talk about a what could potentially um, see inflation not come down so quickly. And in that same answer, can we talk about what what is keeping it so high? We mentioned migration earlier before, but yeah. who are these people that are spending money? Because um, higher interest rates are hitting uh, particular some households, especially those on lower incomes that have purchased property at the peak of the market. And what's the government's role in all of this? Well, the key difference in this economic cycle versus the past is that there's an entire cohort of mainly older people who have a lot of cash. And as interest rates have risen, they've seen a very large increase in their interest income. Post-COVID, people's attitude towards spending has changed as well. A lot of people were literally locked up during COVID and unable to travel or enjoy life. And so we've seen this pent-up demand, particularly for this cohort of boomers who are now spending this money that they've seen with interest rates going up and probably expected to stay up. And so when rates have gone up, there is this normal transmission mechanism. Those with the debt feel the pinch. But there's also another class of people who are older and generally have higher incomes from this interest income. And I think what that means is you've got this varying degree of experience that the government's now grappling with these cost of living issues. And their response has been quite rightly to try to subsidise some of these impacts with things like childcare. But there is a limit to what the government can do because these are real structural changes reflecting the economy's shift over the last few decades towards lots of assets and lots of cash. Are you saying that the um, older generation is one of the main reasons why inflation is so strong? Well, I think the combination of strong population growth is a baseline for demand, but there's also an additional increment coming from older people. And they're actually not responding as you would normally expect to rate rises. You meant to see a slowing or even a contraction in spending, but we're not seeing this because those households have actually benefited. Now, they may be spending the money directly themselves. Everyone has the anecdote of an older person travelling first class around the world, but they're probably also passing this cash on to their children who are struggling either with the mortgage or perhaps to pay for things like school fees. And so that means the typical slowing of inflation from weaker demand environment, it just gets muted. And the RBA's policy tool is just not as sharp as what it once was. Okay, you mentioned it briefly before. So overall, what does all of that mean then for the potential for higher interest rates? You you, you said that Mm. this latest one will take a bit more time to come to to follow through. But is is another rate rise potentially in February, which is what I'm reading from more and more um, uh, market watchers after the next uh, quarterly CPI, the most likely place where we could see a rate rise if it were to happen? The base case is that rates will stay higher for longer in Australia because it's now probably a broadly held view that inflation will remain above the RBA's target over the next year. But the key issue is, what does the RBA already expect? And in today's commentary, they've actually raised their inflation forecast for this year to 4.5%. So what I think that means is there's unlikely to be an upside surprise again to the RBA's forecast that would trigger them to raise rates. But clearly the risks are there's another one in February on the back of that inflation print The more likely scenario for me is just this peak level of rates persists for longer than normal period. And it's probably going to be over the next year before we can start to think about rate relief and the RBA being able to cut rates. 
Uh, finally, um, what about the impact from overseas factors? We haven't spoken about that yet. Uh, the US, mm. you know, that we we heard from the um, Fed Power, uh, Federal Federal Reserve Chairman uh, Powell overnight, basically saying, "Hey, we'll lift rates if we need to." We've got the Chinese economy not reopening uh, as uh, a lot of people thought it would, and then you've got these geopolitical risks too. Could could they compound the the forces we're seeing on the economy here? So, I think the key issue for the global outlook is the likelihood that. China's weakness persists, and that was going to cause a slowdown in the global cycle. So far, the impact on the US and other major economies has been muted because their domestic economies have been quite solid. So again, similar to Australia, the global outlook is probably something where growth moderates but doesn't fall into recession, and central banks are grappling with the fact that inflation is lagging and quite sticky. So they're concerned they may have to raise rates again, but they don't really want to. Uh, if we were to see geopolitical tensions rise significantly, I think the impacts are more about higher inflation rather than lower growth, because the chances would be if there was a Middle East conflict that perpetuated to a broader regional issue, then oil prices and energy prices could face upward pressure. And that would just make central banks more inclined to have to be forced effectively into raising rates, even though they don't really want to. George Theranu there, the Chief Economist at UBS. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. Wasn't the best way to end the working week. The S&P ASX 200 down 0.55%, 6,976. For more on the day's market action, I spoke with market strategist at Moomoo, Jessica Remy. Well, what's behind today's pullback with most sectors in the red, Ricardo, are really two things, fears of high interest rates, high for longer, both in Australia and the US, and also we had a surprise increase in oil output. So naturally, uh, when we see a typical uh, dent in companies' profits because of high interest rates, that causes most sectors to fall. So because of the drop in energy prices, energy was down the most, followed by financials and consumer spending names. Okay, so there seems to be a risk of there being higher interest rates for longer, A, here in Australia, because we've heard from the um, RBA statement on monetary policy today saying that, hey, uh, the RBA expects inflation to stay higher for longer. Also in the US commentary from Fed Chair Powell overnight. Um, So what's the market thinking about that? I think it is important to reflect on the bigger picture, though. The narrative is still the same. U.S. broad inflation is trending lower, and that's why the thinking is that interest rates in the U.S. have probably peaked, and that's exactly what the futures are suggesting, Ricardo. Uh, In fact, um, futures are now predicting a cut in July in the U.S., a cut in September, November, and December. That's, of course, next year. Australia, it's very different. Today, uh, the RBA, as you said, uh, increased their inflationary forecast. They increased economic growth forecast. And of course, all this means they'll need to hike interest rates again to slow down those major factors. That's why the market here is now expecting the RBA to increase interest rates in February next year and then cut in November next year. So very different, two different scenarios. A couple of months ago, we were talking about oil prices going through the roof, right? For the past three weeks, they've been sliding. This is the third straight weekly drop. Uh, What's going on here? So a couple of things happened overnight. Uh, One of the was that we had uh, some major producers actually pumping out more uh, output. That was totally unexpected. But the other uh, scenario is a much bigger scenario, and that is next year... Oil demand is expected to 
pretty much full. So we've got the EIA as well as several large banks now saying we've reached peak oil demand and that is going to fall next year and the subsequent years after that. And it's all because of the transition towards electric vehicles. And finally, um, where do you see the opportunities for investors right now? Well, the good news is uh, we're in in the end of quarter for the year. So end of quarter is the best time for stock markets globally. Also, December is historically the best month for equities. Uh, That's regardless of which market you look at. But keep in mind that the US uh, S&P 500 and the Aussie share markets ASX 200 are probably going to see strong rallies. If you're looking for extra hot sauce, uh, consumer discretionary spending stocks, uh, those stocks uh, that benefit from Black Friday sales, Christmas shopping, uh, they're probably going to do well. But think outside the square is what I encourage you to think about. So who's uh, transacting or benefiting from transactions? Maybe, say, Square, for instance. Also, you're probably going to see more people out and about. So Uber's probably going to be one that's going to benefit. Uber just reported its second straight quarter of profits. They just need another two quarters of profits and then they can go into the S&P 500 and we all know what happened when Tesla went into the S&P 500 it shares rallied almost 90%. Jessica Ramirez there from Mumu. This SBS on the money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.